Hello there, and welcome to tonight's episode of Down to Sleep. This is the podcast of softly spoken stories to help you get a good night's rest. Every week is a new or continued reading for you to listen to as you drift off to sleep. Thank you so much for joining me tonight as we continue with The Wind in the Willows, one of our favourite books here on the podcast. I hope that you enjoy this reading. If you have found this podcast useful and you would like to support it whilst getting extra episodes and rewards, then come over to the Patreon and join our Sleepy Little Book Club at patreon.com slash down to sleep, where for a few dollars a month, you get two full episodes a week and you get exclusive readings that you won't hear anywhere else. So come over to patreon.com slash down to sleep. But thank you for listening. Wherever you are, I hope that this podcast helps. Please consider leaving a positive review wherever you're listening. And now, on with the episode. The Wind in the Willows, Chapter 6 It was a bright morning in the early part of summer. The river had resumed its wonted banks and its accustomed pace, and a hot sun seemed to be pulling everything green and bushy and spiky up out of the earth towards him as if by strings. The mole and the water rat had been up since dawn, very busy on matters connected with boats and the opening of the boating season, painting and varnishing, mending paddles, repairing cushions, hunting for missing boat hooks and so on, and were finishing breakfast in their little parlour and eagerly discussing their plans for the day when a heavy knock sounded at the door. Bother, said the rat, all over egg. See who it is, mole, like a good chap, since you finished. The mole went to attend the summons and the rat heard him utter a cry of surprise. He flung the parlour door open and announced with much importance, Mr. Badger. This was a wonderful thing indeed, that the Badger should pay a formal call on them, or indeed on anybody. He generally had to be caught if you wanted him badly, as he slipped quietly along a hedgerow of an early morning or a late evening, or else hunted up in his own house in the middle of the wood, which was a serious undertaking. The badger strode heavily into the room and stood looking at the two animals with an expression full of seriousness. The rat let his egg spoon fall on the tablecloth and sat open-mouthed. The hour has come, said the badger at last, with great solemnity, "'What hour?' asked the rat uneasily, glancing at the clock on the mantelpiece. "'Whose hour, you should rather say?' replied the badger. "'Why, Toad's hour. The hour of Toad. I said I would take him in hand as soon as the winter was well over, and I'm going to take him in hand today.' "'Toad's hour, of course,' cried the mole delightedly. Hooray! I remember now. We'll teach him to be a sensible toad. This very morning, continued the badger, taking an armchair, as I learnt last night from a trustworthy source, 
another new and exceptionally powerful motor car will arrive at Toad Hall on approval or return. At this very moment, perhaps, Toad is busy arraying himself in those singularly hideous habiliments so dear to him, which transform him from a comparatively good-looking toad into an object which throws any decent-minded animal that comes across it into a violent fit. We must be up and doing, ere it is too late. You two animals will accompany me instantly to Toad Hall, and the work of rescue shall be accomplished. Right you are, cried the rat, starting up. We'll rescue the poor unhappy animal. We'll convert him. He'll be the most converted toad that ever was before we've done with him. They set off up the road on their mission of mercy, Badger leading the way. Animals, when in company, walk in a proper and sensible manner, in single file, instead of sprawling across the road and being of no use or support to each other in case of sudden trouble or danger. They reached the carriage drive of Toad Hall to find, as the badger had anticipated, a shiny new motor car of great size, painted a bright red, Toad's favourite colour, standing in front of the house. As they neared the door, it was flung open, and Mr. Toad, arrayed in goggles, cap, gaiters, and enormous overcoat, came swaggering down the steps, drawing on his gauntleted gloves. "'Hello, come on, you fellows,' he cried cheerfully on catching sight of them. "'You're just in time to come with me for a jolly, to come for a jolly, for a, a jolly.' His hearty accents faltered and fell away as he noticed the stern, unbending look on the countenances of his silent friends. His invitation remained unfinished. The badger strode up to the steps. "'Take him inside,' he said sternly to his companions, and as Toad was hustled through the door, struggling and protesting, he turned to the chauffeur in charge of the new motor-car. "'I'm afraid you won't be wanted today,' he said. "'Mr. Toad has changed his mind.' You will not require the car. Please understand that this is final. You needn't wait. Then he followed the others inside and shut the door. Now then, he said to the toad, when the four of them were stood together in the hall, first of all, take those ridiculous things off. Shan't, replied Toad with great spirit. What is the meaning of this gross outrage? I demand an instant explanation. Take them off him then, you two, ordered the badger briefly. They had to lay Toad out on the floor, kicking and calling all sorts of names before they could get to work properly. The rat sat on him, and the mole got his motor clothes off him bit by bit. They stood him up on his legs again. A good deal of his blustering spirit seemed to have evaporated, 
with the removal of his fine panoply. Now that he was merely towed, and no longer the terror of the highway, he giggled feebly, and looked from one to the other, appealingly, seeming quite to understand the situation. "'You knew it must come to this, sooner or later, Toad,' the Badger explained severely. "'You've disregarded all the warnings that we've given you. "'You've gone on squandering the money that your father left you, "'and you're getting us animals a bad name in the district "'by your furious driving, your smashes, your rows with the police. "'Independence is all very well.' and we animals will never allow our friends to make fools of themselves beyond a certain limit. And that limit you have reached. Now, you're a good fellow in many respects, and I don't want to be too hard on you. I'll make one more effort to bring you to reason. You will come with me into the smoking-room, and there you will hear some facts about yourself, and we'll see whether you come out of that room the same Toad that you went in. He took Toad firmly by the arm, and led him into the smoking-room, and closed the door behind them. "'That's no good,' said the Rat contemptuously. "'Talking to Toad will never cure him. He'll say anything.' They made themselves comfortable in armchairs and waited patiently. Through the closed door they could just hear a long, continuous drone of the badger's voice, rising and falling in waves of oratory. Presently they noticed that the sermon began to be punctuated at intervals by long-drawn sobs, evidently proceeding from the bosom of the toad, who was a soft-hearted and affectionate fellow, very easily converted, for the time being, to any point of view. After some three-quarters of an hour, the door opened, and the badger reappeared, solemnly leading by the paw a very limp and dejected toad. His skin hung baggily about him, his legs wobbled, his cheeks were furrowed by the tears, so plentifully called forth by the badger's moving discourse. "'Sit down there, Toad,' said the badger kindly, pointing to a chair. "'My friends,' he went on, "'I am pleased to inform you that Toad has at last seen the error of his ways. He is truly sorry for his misguided conduct in the past,' and he has undertaken to give up motor-cars entirely and forever. I have his solemn promise to that effect. That is very good news, said the Mole. Very good news indeed, observed the Rat dubiously. If only, if only, he was looking very hard at Toad as he said this, and could not help thinking that he perceived something vaguely resembling a twinkle in that animal's still sorrowful eye. There's only one thing more 
to be done, continued a gratified badger. Toad, I want you to solemnly repeat before your friends here what you fully admitted to me in the smoking room just now. First, you're sorry for what you've done, and you see the folly of it all. There was a long, long pause. Toad looked desperately this way and that, while the other animals waited in grave silence. At last, he spoke. No, he said, a little sullenly but stoutly. I'm not sorry, and it wasn't folly. It was simply glorious. What? cried the badger, greatly scandalized. You backsliding animal, didn't you tell me just now in there? Oh, yes, yes, in there, said Toad impatiently. I'd have said anything in there. You're so eloquent, dear badger, and so moving and so convincing. You put all your points so frightfully well. You can do what you like with me in there, and you know it, but I've been searching my mind since and going over things in it. And I find that I'm not a bit sorry or repellent, really, so it's no earthly good saying I am now, is it? Then you don't promise, said the badger, to never touch a motor car again. Certainly not, replied Toad emphatically. On the contrary, I faithfully promise that the very first motor car I see, poop, poop, off I go in it. Told you so, didn't I? observed the rat to the mole. Very well, then, said the badger firmly, rising to his feet. Since you won't yield to persuasion, We'll try what force can do. I feared it would come to this all along. You've often asked us three to come and stay with you, Toad, in this handsome house of yours. Well, now we're going to. When we've converted you to a proper point of view, we may quit, but not before. Take him upstairs, you two, and lock him up in his bedroom while we arrange matters between ourselves. "'It's for your own good, Toady, you know,' said the rat kindly, as Toad, kicking and struggling, was hauled up the stairs by his two faithful friends. "'Think what fun we'll all have together, just as we used to, when you've got quite over this painful attack of yours.' "'We'll take great care of everything for you till you're well, Toad,' said the Mole. We'll see your money isn't wasted, as it has been. No more of those regrettable incidents with the police, Toad, said the rat, as they thrust him into his bedroom. And no more weeks in hospital, being ordered about by female nurses, Toad, added the mole, turning the key on him. They descended the stair, Toad shouting abuse at them through the keyhole, and the three friends then met in conference on the situation. "'It's going to be a tedious business,' said the badger, sighing. "'I've never seen Toad so determined. However, we will see it out. 
he must never be left an instant unguarded. We shall have to take it in turns to be with him till the poison has worked itself out of his system. They arranged watches accordingly. Each animal took it in turns to sleep in Toad's room at night. They divided the day up between them. At first, Toad was undoubtedly very trying to his careful guardians. When his violent paroxysms possessed him, he would arrange bedroom chairs in a rude resemblance of a motor car, and would crouch on the foremost of them, bent forward and staring fixedly ahead, making uncouth and ghastly noises until the climax was reached, when, turning a complete somersault, he would lie prostrate amidst the ruins of the chairs, apparently completely satisfied for the moment. As time passed, however, these painful seizures grew gradually less frequent, and his friends strove to divert his mind into fresh channels. His interest in other matters did not seem to revive, and he grew apparently languid and depressed. One fine morning, the rat, whose turn it was to go on duty, went upstairs to relieve Badger, whom he found fidgeting to be off and stretch his legs in a long ramble around his wood, down his earths and his burrows. Toad is still in bed, he told the rat outside the door. Can't get much out of him except leave me alone. He wants nothing. Perhaps he'll be better presently. It may pass off in time, but don't be unduly anxious. Now, look out, Rat. When Toad's quiet and submissive and playing at being the hero of a Sunday school prize, he's at his artfulest. There's sure to be something up. I know him. Well now, I must be off. How are you today, old chap? inquired the rat cheerfully as he approached Toad's bedside. He had to wait some minutes for an answer, and at last a feeble voice replied, Thank you so much, dear ratty. So good of you to inquire, but first tell me how are you yourself and the excellent mole? Oh, we're all right, replied the rat. Mole, he added incautiously, gone out for a run around with Badger. They'll be out till luncheon. So you and I will spend a pleasant morning together, and I'll do my best to amuse you. Now jump up, there's a good fellow. Don't lie moping on a fine morning like this. Dear, kind rat, murmured Toad, how little you realise my condition. How very far I am from jumping up now, if ever. But do not trouble about me. I hate being a burden to my friends, and I do not expect to be one much longer indeed. I almost hope not. Well, I hope not too, said the rat heartily. You've been a fine bother to us all this time, and I'm glad to hear it's going to stop. And in weather like this... And the boating season just beginning is too bad of you, Toad. It isn't the trouble we mind, but you're making us miss a lot. I'm afraid it is the trouble you mind, though, 
replied the toad. I can quite understand it. It's natural enough. You're tired of bothering about me. I mustn't ask you to do anything further. I'm a nuisance, I know. You are indeed, said the rat. But I tell you, I'd take any trouble on earth for you, if only you'd be a sensible animal. If I thought that, Ratty, murmured Toad more feebly than ever, then I would beg you, for the last time probably, to step round to the village as quickly as possible. Even now it may be too late. And fetch the doctor. But don't you bother, it's only a trouble, and perhaps we may as well let things take their course. Why, what do you want a doctor for, inquired the rat, coming closer and examining him. He certainly lay very still and flat, and his voice was weaker, his manner was much changed. "'Surely you've noticed of late,' murmured Toad. "'But no, why should you? "'Noticing things is only a trouble. "'Tomorrow, indeed, you may be saying to yourself, "'Oh, if only I'd noticed sooner, if only I'd done something. "'But no, it's a trouble, never mind. "'Forget that I asked.' "'Look here, old man,' said the Rat, "'beginning to get rather alarmed. "'Of course I'll fetch a doctor to you, "'if you really think you want him.' But you can hardly be bad enough for that yet. Let's talk about something else. I fear, dear friend, said Toad with a sad smile, that talk can do little in a case like this, or doctors either, for that matter. Still, one must grasp at the slightest straw. And by the way, while you're about it, I hate to give you additional trouble, but I happen to remember that you will pass the door. Would you mind at the same time asking the lawyer to step up? It would be a convenience to me, and there are moments, perhaps I should say a moment, when one must face disagreeable tasks at whatever cost to exhausted nature. A lawyer? Oh, he must be really bad, the rat said to himself. He hurried from the room not forgetting to lock the door carefully behind him. Outside he stopped to consider. The other two were far away, and he had no one to consult. It's best to be on the safe side, he said, on reflection. I've known Toad fancy himself frightfully bad before without the slightest reason, but I've never heard him ask for a lawyer. If there's nothing really the matter, the doctor will tell him that he's an old ass, and cheer him up, and that'll be something gained. I'd better humour him and go. It won't take very long. So he ran off to the village on his errand of mercy. The toad, who had hopped lightly out of bed, as soon as he heard the key turn in the lock, watched him eagerly from the window until he disappeared down the carriage drive. Laughing heartily, he dressed as quickly as possible in the smartest suit that he could lay his hands on at the moment, filled his pockets with cash which he took from a small drawer in the dressing table, and next, knotting the sheets from his bed, tying one end of the improvised rope 
around the central mullion of the handsome Tudor window, which formed such a feature for his bedroom, he scrambled out, slid lightly to the ground, and taking the opposite direction to the rat, marched off light-heartedly, whistling a merry tune. It was a gloomy luncheon for Rat when the badger and the mole at length returned, and he had to face them at table with his pitiful and unconvincing story. The badger's caustic, not to say brutal, remarks may be imagined and therefore passed over, but it was painful to the Rat that even the mole though he took his friend's side as far as possible, could not help saying, "'You've been a bit of a duffer this time, Ratty. Toad, too, of all animals.' "'He did it awfully well,' said the crestfallen rat. "'He did you awfully well,' rejoined the badger hotly. "'However, talking won't mend matters. "'He's got clear away for the time, that's certain.' The worst of it is he'll be so conceited with what he'll think is his cleverness that he may commit any folly. One comfort is we're free now, and needn't waste any more of our precious time doing sentry-go. But we'd better continue to sleep at Toad Hall for a while longer. Toad may be back any moment, on a stretcher or between two policemen. So spoke the badger, not knowing what the future held in store, or how much water, and of how turbid a character, was to run under bridges before Toad should sit at ease again in his ancestral hall. And that is where we close the book tonight on this episode of Down to Sleep. <laughs>